Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Battle Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley. My co-host, Ryan, running a little bit behind today, so he'll be joining us here in just a matter of moments. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. Um, a lot of baseball fans cashed in on future bets with the Orioles last season. If you missed out, don't make the same mistake twice. Right now at Superbook, you can get the Birds to win the American League at 6-1 to one odds or to win it all at 12-1 to one odds, as I realize I don't have my headphones plugged in. When you sign up at Superbook, use the code PRESSBOX23 and you'll receive a same-day first bet match up to $250, win or lose. That's PRESSBOX23 for your code to receive a same-day first bet match up to $250, win or lose. Um, we're coming to you from a new streaming service over at uh, Restream. Dot com. Um, you know, this is our first time doing the show through Restream. Um, so far, so good. So if you want to if you want to do a chat, if you want to take part in the show, by all means, please do so. Um, we can see your chat uh, questions, your remarks on the screen. Uh, so very excited to be working with Restream now and for Pressbox to bring you the bat around each and every Saturday at 10 a.m. Orioles in the news this past week, actually making the biggest signing of the winter meetings as they uh, agreed to terms with closer Craig Kimbrell. That's right, Craig Kimbrell, the uh, the same guy with the funny little parrot arm thing, whatever the hell that is, uh, on the mound. He signs for one year, $12 million with a $1 million buyout or a $13 million option for 2025. Uh, and he is being brought in to be the Orioles' full-time closer. Uh, Kimbrell, in 2023, he was an all-star for the Philadelphia Phillies, pitched to it, uh, an 8-6 and six record with a 326 ERA, 23 saves, 12.3 Ks per nine, which is below his 14.2 Ks per nine average, but up from his 10.8 Ks per nine average from 2022. Uh, so trending in the right direction, the Orioles – believe that they saw something with his delivery where they think that he can have a really, really big season for them. And look, if you're asking me, I'm a fan of this signing. We're talking about a guy with a career 240 ERA, 308 saves, and again, a 14.2 case per nine average. 3.7 walks per nine, a little high, but he's Craig Kimbrell, one of the best closers uh, the game's ever seen when he was at the peak of his career. And look, folks, we certainly know that Craig Kimbrell isn't at the peak of his career at this point. However, I still believe he's an effective reliever. And in my opinion, he was the second best reliever on the market uh, this offseason. Of course, the first being Josh Hader, the Baltimore native, who the Orioles did talk to, but that was more due diligence than anything else. You kind of have to kick the tires on that guy, understanding full well that you're not going to give him five years and more than $20 million per season. That's just not going to happen if you're the Baltimore Orioles. So Craig Kimbrough, in my opinion, was the next best guy to get. And it really speaks to where the Orioles are as a franchise. You know, 83 wins in 2022, 101 wins uh, this past season in 2023. And then they go out and they give the most money that they've ever given to a free agent in the Mike Elias Sigmaidel regime. Uh, $12 million to a relief pitcher with an option for $13 million for 2025. What I see from that is a team that's willing to spend money on the right player. 
you don't go from you know 11 million from Jordan Lyles in 2022 to 10 million for um, Kyle Gibson in 2023. And actually, I think those numbers were reversed, but I could be wrong. Um, and then the next thing you know, the most money you're giving out is to a reliever. That's a number even greater than that. If you don't intend on competing for a championship and showing your fans that you're willing to spend money on the right player. And I do believe that Craig Kimbrell can be the right player. No, he's not the same guy that we saw the Orioles sign. Um, I'm sorry. We saw the Orioles sign. Forgive me. He's not the same player that we saw um, racking up saves and winning rookie of the year and leading the National League in saves three or four years in a row when he was with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but this is a guy who's also only two years removed from pitching in the first half of the season with the Cubs where he was an all-star and he pitched to like a .42 ERA with the Cubs, which prompted him getting traded to the Phillies for a po um, to the White Sox, excuse me, for a, for a potential postseason run. Didn't work out with the White Sox, but this guy is still an effective reliever. I think he's better than Jordan Hicks, who is extremely wild. And while he can throw 105 miles an hour, you barely ever know where that pitch is going to end up. Uh, Aroldis Chapman, who we've seen on the wrong side of historic playoff moments on the mound of more than once, uh, who's also a scumbag human being. Um, I think that it's better, he's better than him. And Robert Stevenson, yeah, I know how deadly that cutter that he developed can be. But we're talking about a guy who's really only had a half a season of of, of sustained success in his career. Uh, and now we're expecting him to come in and be that guy for the Orioles. Look, if the Orioles were to still go out and sign Robert Stevenson, I wouldn't be upset about it. But I don't think that for what the Orioles were looking for, and that's a guy to pitch in the ninth inning for them, that, that Robert Stevenson really fills that need. I think that Craig Kimbrell was the next best guy uh, after Josh Hader. And like I said, Josh Hader was never going to, come and pitch in Baltimore unless it's for somebody else as a visiting team. So I'm really excited about the Craig Kimbrell signing. Um, not as excited as I would be for Hater. Um, not as excited as I will be uh, when and if the Orioles trade for or sign a legitimate number one starting pitcher. But this was a move that was necessary, and I'm glad that the Orioles made it. Um, still waiting on Ryan to get in on the show here. Um, uh, but until then... I do want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Royal Farms. Feed your family gathering this holiday season with Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. Get an eight-piece mix for just $12 or a 10-piece dark for just $15 at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Uh, winter meetings in general. Guys, this was probably the least active winter meetings I have ever seen. Uh, and it's for one reason and one reason only. Um, Ryan's telling me that he's in the backstage um, area. Oh, there he is. Let me get him on here. Sorry, Ryan. It didn't show me that again. Working with a new streaming system. Uh, joining us now, Ryan, can you hear me? Uh, is your mic muted? I cannot hear you. can't hear you. Can you hear me? Sorry that we're having these technical difficulties right in the middle of the show for you folks. Um, yeah, he's working on figuring out the new layout. Um, you should be able to, if you go, can you, can you hear me? Give me a nod if you can hear me. No, you can't hear me. 
we had the same technical difficulties with um, when we were trying to set this up. I'm wondering if anybody else can hear me. Um, let's see if we can't figure this out here. Um, how about now? Can you hear me now, Ryan? Nothing? Nothing? All right. Guys, this is the first time using Restream for me. Like, I did some stuff... Um, Prior to this, with it, just getting myself warmed up for it. Um, let me see what we can do here. We can go to the settings. You know, we've got people, we've got 10 people watching, eight people watching. So I'm assuming that people can hear me. Ryan, why don't you try and sign out and then sign back in and we'll see if we, uh, if we can't, um, see if we can't get this figured out here. Gotta type to him since he can't hear me. Um, in the meantime, with uh with while while we're waiting for Ryan to get it, to get this all figured out, the winter meetings, um, Shohei Otani took the winter meetings hostage is essentially what happened here. Every GM is uh waiting for Otani the Otani shoe to drop, causing a lack of activity. Um and frankly, I think that sucks. I think that sucks. I don't think we've seen something where, and I want to be careful with, with the words that I choose here. Um, I don't think that we've ever seen an athlete take the sports landscape hostage since LeBron James with the decision back in the summer of 2010. Um, this is a situation where like, because I do believe that Shohei Otani is a really good guy. And I think that like he's deserving of all the accolades and all the adoration that he gets for the not only the, the quality baseball player, but the quality human that he is. LeBron James excuse was he was young and stupid. And if he could go back and do the decision again, we know that he wouldn't do it the same way. That was ridiculous. This Shohei Otani stuff is essentially the same thing. It's essentially um, the decision all over again, only he's old enough to know better. Um, we know that this whole thing is a, it's, it's, it's a huge deal. He's one of the, maybe the, the greatest player to ever hit free agency uh, at this point in, in his career, doing things that we haven't seen in a hundred years in the world of baseball. And I understand that, but the industry is on stand, standstill. It had a standstill on this guy. And, you know, it came out from his camp that, he was going to be taking secret meetings. And if any of those meetings leaked, he would know that that team, that he would hold that against that team. Whatever, man, it's people's jobs to figure this stuff out. Like you're special, but let's not act like you're like from another planet special, like be a human being, you know, and understand how, how, how this thing works. Um, so to me, the winter meetings is super boring super inactive because of one player. And I just think that that's bad for the game. You know, uh, what it did lead to was the Orioles had the largest contract given out at the winter meetings. Um, and I just got the notification. Ryan, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What What was going on there? I, I have no idea. My I, I don't know if my computer just doesn't like this new software. I signed in on my phone. Uh, figured better to be here than not. I had my uh, company Christmas party last night. And I did too. 
you texted me at 10.01, like, here's the link. I was like, I need to get out of bed. So I do apologize for that. That's all right. I'm ready to talk some Orioles. It's been a That's all right. Week. Yeah, man. So uh, we had uh, our first home fest yesterday. So it was an all-day seminar followed by a raging party at the Belvedere. And uh, we, we had they, – they paid for us to stay at the Four Seasons, which was awesome. It was wow. awesome. If you, I finally got to go up to the Bygone on top of the Four Seasons – and that view, I took a picture. the The, the picture does it absolutely no justice. That yeah. that view was so. You've been to the bygone, right? Isn't that where you um you Met. took your fiance there for her birthday or your anniversary? Our our first anniversary dinner we had up at the bygone, and uh, there was a, a storm rolling in that night, so lightning kept flashing. It was really really cool. A beautiful yeah. beautiful view. The view is absolutely so. I don't even need to tell you how incredible that view is. So, needless to say. The drinks were flowing last night. I didn't drink too much because my beautiful and beautifully pregnant wife, who is now 35 weeks pregnant today, Laura, she was with me. And, you know, the f people kept saying to her, why are you here? You are so pregnant. Right. She was there for me. She was she was doing her part as my loving and adoring wife. Um, she was she was there 100 percent for me. And she had, she was so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. She, she took my breath away more than that view did. And um, so I didn't drink too, too much. I, I imbibed for sure, but um, she wanted to go back at about 930 because she still had to get that, that poor woman. She still has to get up and work 12 hour shifts at the hospital. Yeah. So she had to get up and I thought that she would at least sleep in. She left the hotel, which is 20 minutes away from where she works at the same time that she leaves our house, which is 45 minutes away. But I think it was probably because she was trying to find a Starbucks on her <laughs> way there. The Starbucks by our house is literally right across the street. So, yeah, um, but we had an awesome time. The whole point of that long drawn out story is that um, I was in the hotel and had to get out. Like we left our dog at the house. He didn't sleep all night. We had, I had my nephew come over and um, feed him and let him out. Like feed him, let him out. And um, I told him, don't put him in the crate. He'll be fine. My wife checked the camera and all night. He just paced back and forth, looking out the window, wondering where we were. Oh man. And, oh my God. I felt so bad. So when Break she texted, oh, it was heartbreaking, man. So she texted me at like five to seven. I was like, all right, I'm on my way home. Um, so I got home about eight this morning and he's happy. He's that's why I'm in the room that I'm in now so that I could hang out with him, but he's not even anywhere near me now. So, mm -hmm. but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I would have texted you about the show. I would have sent you the notes, um, a lot sooner, but I had a party last night too. Yeah, no, you're good. I, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about it, uh, yesterday during the day. Um, uh, so I, I ended up going into work yesterday on my day off to catch up on some things. Cause this was a, a wild week. And I was thinking like, oh, I, I should uh, I should throw some notes on there for, for the show tomorrow. And then by the time I woke up this morning, it was the last thing on my mind. So I appreciate the text. I apologize for being late. And of course, it was all escalated by, um, you know, my computer not responding to my audio input, output, any of that. So I'll get that sorted out. But um, Paul, it was a busy week for the Orioles. A lot of back and forth going on. Yeah, man. I just I just gave this whole spiel about Craig Kimbrell. And, you know, we saw some fan reactions, Ryan, to Craig Kimbrell and a lot of negativity. A lot of people saying bottom of the barrel signing. Why don't the Orioles go get legit players? And I'm like, the last time I checked, Craig Kimbrell is still a legit pitcher. Is he the same guy who was the most dominant closer in baseball for five years, uh, about five to ten years ago? No, he's not still that guy, but he's still 
maybe 80, 85% of that guy, which is better than a lot of relievers in baseball. Brian, in my opinion, he was the second best reliever on the market. The Orioles did their due diligence kicking the tires on Josh Hader. Five years, 105 million plus was never going to come from the Orioles to Hader. So they went on and sounded, in my opinion, the second best guy in Craig Kimbrell. Your thoughts on the fans' reaction and your reaction to the signing? You know, I don't love it, but I, I'm, I've kind of been able to talk myself into it a little bit. He's, you know, he's up there in age, but he's still a very productive pitcher uh, by and large. He'll have some outings where everything goes awry. He'll also have a bunch of three up, three down, striking out the side. He's, he still pitches very, very well. Um, and, you know, hasn't had an ERA over four for quite some time. I think his zips projection is like 395, which not great for a closer, but you'll take it. You know, you're trying to replace Felix Bautista. That's never going to be easy. Yeah. Um, and as far as the fan reaction, like, I get it. Like, I understand it feels like a typical Orioles offseason signing. And when you look at it in context with the Yankees going out and getting Juan Soto, the Blue Jays seem likely to land Shohei Otani. The Red Sox are in talks with, you know, a bunch of other big free agents. It's, you know, it, it can be a little frustrating, but I do think the Orioles are going to continue to be active. I don't think Kimbrel is going to be the only guy we bring aboard. And you also have to consider, which I think a lot of Orioles fans are largely ignoring, Dylan Tate is healthy and coming back. Mm-hmm. He has the potential to be a very good seventh, eighth, maybe ninth inning reliever. So, you know, with him coming back to the bullpen as well, throwing Kimbrel in the mix, I think the Orioles are doing just fine to replace the back end of the bullpen. That, that seems like it's going to be a, a problem. I don't think yeah. it's going to be as big a problem as we're making it out to be. I agree. I look at it. Um, I look at the signing, and it was just last week on the show we were talking about the possibility of of Craig Kimbrell. And thank you, Mom. My mom confirmed that she can hear us. On So that's that's good news. Thanks, um, Mom. Yeah, thanks, Mom. Um, we were just talking last week about how we'd be, we'd be for a Craig Kimbrell signing as long as he's not the the closer by default, as long as he's not just handed that job. Well, he was handed that job. They came out and said that, he, that the intent is that he's going to be their closer. Um, like people are talking about how he's going to be terrible and wait till June, wait till July. Look, if he's terrible, they're not going to let that leash go that long. Right. There's, they're going to replace him. They're going to, they're going to put him in lower leverage situations and see if he can rebound. Like they did with CNL Perez last year. You know, we, we saw Cole Irvin come to the Orioles in a trade last, last off season, or it was just before spring training. We saw, we saw him come to the Orioles in a trade. He got three starts at the beginning of the year and he was terrible and he got sent down to the minors. So for me, it's, it's, if, if he does suck, he's not going to be allowed to continue in that role. And if he doesn't suck, they got a really good closer. And Mike Elias said, you know, we saw some things with his delivery where we think that we can really help him and he's going to be, have a really big season for us. We saw what they did with CNL Perez. This guy had, had a career ERA of what, like seven or eight. When he came to the Orioles, and all of a sudden, he's one of the most dominant left-handed relievers in baseball right now. And I know that April and May this past season sucked for him. But from June on, that yeah, dude was, was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. You know, and, and we saw what he did with a with a one-and-a-half ERA in 2022. And that's the guy who was nobody. And the Orioles did that with him. What do you think they're going to do with a guy like Craig Kimball? You well, know? It's, just, it's the same with Junior Cano. He was awful before he came mm-hmm. over here. He walked everybody. I think he had a like a – 20 something ERA 
the yep. year before in a real small sample size. He walked more batters than innings pitched. It was absurd. And then he comes here, and for the first you know two months of the season, he's absurdly dominant, and he gets an All Star bid. Yep. And you know the Orioles have a way with figuring out how to make bullpen pitchers dominant. And if they can't keep Kimbrel at least productive, then that's a problem. But like you said, Paul, if he's not, if he's struggling as the closer he won't stay in the closer role. They have right. other guys that they can plug in. Somebody brought up a great point. We saw it back in 2014. You know, Tommy Hunter was the closer to start the year, and he started blowing saves left and right. And then Zach Britt becomes your closer, and he helps the Orioles win 96 games and an AL East division title. Um, yeah, I think he had like 36 saves that year, and he didn't yeah. become the closer till like mid-May. So, you know, this isn't something that – when the Orioles – when th this team, they know – what they're supposed to do this coming year. They know what the goal is. And the goal is not just to get to the playoffs anymore. The goal is to go win a World Series. And they know that. They're not going to let a bad closer be a bad closer for two months. They're going to give an opportunity for the first month. And if he if, if he sucks, you know, you're going to see somebody else in that role. You're going to see Yenier Cano. You're going to see CNL Perez, maybe DL Hall or Tyler Wells. They're going to have options there. Um, so for me, I'm not worried in the least about the Kimbrell signing. I think it's a good signing. And if he's not good, okay. But what I really see from this is the Orioles giving the most money to any free agent that this regime has given. And it's to a relief pitcher. $12 million for this year, either a $1 million buyout or a $13 million option for next year. To me, that's a good sign that the Orioles are willing to spend money on the right player. Uh, I don't think it means that you're getting Shohei Otani or Cody Bellinger. But I think it means if the Orioles have a big need at a position, that they're going to throw some money to fill that need, uh, which is a nice sign, in my opinion. For sure. And then, you know, you look at, at what they're adding to the bullpen. You know, I mentioned Tate. I mentioned Craig Kimbrell. What they're trying to prevent, they're not necessarily trying to, in my mind, they're not trying to replace Felix Bautista. You can't replace the Cannot. best closer in the game. But they're working toward having the bullpen depth which would allow us to prevent situations in which guys like Austin both are coming in in big spots. Yeah, I think that's what they're building this bullpen to be, a place where you have reliable guys who could be eighth or ninth inning guys on a lot of teams who are available in the fifth, sixth, seventh innings. And I think that's going to bode well for the Orioles down the stretch. As you know, we saw it last year. There were games where Brandon Hyde's bringing in Someone who's not very good in a situation in which we need a shutdown inning and mm -hmm. it wouldn't happen. So I like what they're doing, building the bullpen. And I hope to see, like you said, some of that money start to be allocated toward other needs. And I think we'll see that happen in the next few weeks and months. I do think that we'll see that. I told you that I thought that the Orioles would be trading for Dylan Cease within the first couple of days of the winter meetings. That did not happen, but that's mostly because of Shohei Otani. Yeah. Shohei Otani has held, and I was talking about this when you were trying to get onto the show. Um, Shohei Otani has, he completely took the baseball world hostage, took the winter meetings hostage. It was the least active winter meetings I've ever seen. And that's proven by the fact that the Orioles had the largest contract given out of the winter meetings. And it's 12 million for one year, Craig Kimber with a $13 million option for 2025. And that was the largest contract given out the winter meetings. Um, I personally think that it's, the decision 2.0, um, just like the LeBron thing. LeBron's excuse was that he was stupid. You know, he was what, a, a 22, 23-year-old kid who, you know, thought the world revolved around him. And they, he's even said, 
that he regrets doing the decision now that he's older and realizes what the hell he was doing. Um, Shohei Otani doesn't have that excuse. He's a 29, 30-year-old man who knows that he's the best player in baseball. You know, we all appreciate just in how incredible he is on the field on both sides of, of the of the baseball. And we appreciate the fact that he just seems to be a quality human being. I think this is a mistake, the way he's handling his free agency. Um, you know, I'm having secret meetings with teams and his camp is going to hold it against the team if those secret meetings get out. Um, now we're seeing, we're hearing that he's on a flight to Toronto and then that report is false. We're going to get into that in a, in a little bit. But um, it's just, it really made for a very lackluster and very boring winter meetings. Uh, your thoughts on not Otani necessarily, but on the winter meetings because of the the uh, Otani um, backlash. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting winter meetings for me because, like you said, the Orioles give out the biggest contract. It's a one year, twelve million dollar deal, and nothing else of real substance happened. Right. It was. I, I've got you know Twitter notifications on for all the the big writers and trying to figure out you know who's going where, who's signing with who, who's getting traded. And it, it, it next thing I knew, the Rule 5 draft was taking place, and then Rock is posting the Orioles media selfie that night, and it's done. It's over. The winter meetings are done. Yeah. And it was like – and speaking of the Rule 5 draft, for the first time since 2005, the Orioles did not pick a player in the major league phase. Which is a big deal. It is. It is. I think it means that they – believe in their current roster they don't need to have you know someone that they're kind of handcuffed to keep on the roster all season um so i i like that they didn't take anybody I, there wasn't anybody that i was really super interested in anyway um, yeah so I'm, I'm good with that but uh yeah it was it was weird I, I the winter meetings come around and you expect tons and tons of movement and the fact of the matter is we didn't have that this year you know, I, I went to the winter meetings in San Diego in 2019. So I was, that's when I had moved out to Arizona to pursue scouting uh, before COVID. But I was I was out there in 2019 and things were happening left and right. I, I couldn't walk back to my hotel without hearing about some kind of signing. I was standing behind John Heyman on the MLB Network broadcast when he was reporting that Anthony Rendon had signed that massive contract with the Angels. Wow. There was just there was stuff going on seemingly nonstop and this year it just i mean the orioles get kimball there were a couple other signings and then it's like all right i mean no one huge is is doing anything yeah it was just it was more of the same reports from the offseason where it's you know oh this team is interested in this person and like nothing nothing of substance so it was yeah boring to say yeah it was it was um you know just like my, my company party last night was first home fest this was Shohei Otani Fest. And it, all I saw in my timeline was, where's Otani going to sign? Is he going to the Dodgers, the Giants, the Yankees, the Angels, the, the Blue Jays? Um, Dave Roberts said, yes, we had a meeting with Otani. Oh, are you guys out of the running now? Because we know what he said. you know. And, and it's just like I got so tired of it because to be perfectly honest with you, as a baseball fan, as long as he doesn't end up in the American League East, I don't care where Shohei Otani goes. He's still going to be polarizing. He's still going to be the best player in baseball. Everybody's going to talk about him no matter where he goes. He could end up on the Kansas City Royals, and all of a sudden they'd be the number one talked about team in baseball. Uh, probably oh, yeah. the Yankees. Everybody just talks about the Yankees nonstop. Wow. But um, but it, it really just 
threw a wrench in the spokes of the winter meetings. And you know, every year I get super excited about the winter meetings. And I don't know why, because the Orioles haven't done anything noteworthy at the winter meeting since 2010 when they traded for J.J. Hardy and signed uh, Mark Reynolds. And, you know, it's so funny that the year that the, that is like the most, the least active winter meetings we've seen in maybe ever is year that the Orioles finally do something and they go and sign Craig Kimball. So it was um, lackluster, but the Orioles made a nice signing. Uh, I just yeah. expected that we were going to see maybe a trade from the Orioles. I still think that's coming, but you yeah, know, as exactly. we get, as we get closer to the holidays, if it doesn't happen by, by Christmas, baseball is a, a it's a dead zone from Christmas through the new year. So we're not going to see anything till the first or second week of January, and even then. So if the Orioles don't do something in the next uh, week to ten days. You know, it could take till, you know, maybe right before spring training before anything else gets done. But I think we do all agree that a starting pitcher is on their way to Baltimore, whether trade or signing. I think more than likely it's going to be uh, a trade. Uh, with that in mind, we, well, I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by Project Game Day and the Tyus Bowser Show. Uh, you can join Glenn, Rita, and Femi Ayambadejo right here on the same press box pages for Project Game Day following tomorrow's Ravens Rams matchup. And join Press Box and Great Eights memorabilia from Tyus Bowser Show this Tuesday night at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane in Roland Park. Both shows are brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Ryan, more. Huge Orioles news uh, this past week. And that's that Brandon Hyde was at the winter meetings. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's that, well, a couple of things that kind of tie in, right? The lease agreement still not in place. Deadline is December 31st, but there's a month to month temporary lease if an agreement is not reached by the deadline. So even if they hit that, they get past that 1231 deadline. Uh, and it looks like they're going to, if you read the Baltimore banner, they said that it looks like a new deal won't be signed until the new year. That means they're going month to month. Orioles aren't going anywhere. Um, and of course, this is all coming from an article published Friday in the Baltimore banner by Andy Kotchka and Pamela, Pamela Wood. Apparently, the governor's team began briefing key politicians on Friday, so yesterday morning, ahead of a planned public announcement, ran into opposition from Senate President Bill Ferguson. And again, I'm taking this directly from that article uh, Bill Ferguson said, fundamentally, I believe that the long-term lease for the use of the ballpark should not be conditioned on whether or not a private owner receives a 99-year ground lease developed land owned by Maryland taxpayers. This is more relevant today as recent news has heightened uncertainties about the future ownership of the team. Um, that uncertainty is based around the rumors um, that is the other probably bigger thing to happen with the Orioles this past week. The rumors that Carlisle Group founder David Rubenstein, Rubenstein or Rubenstein, I don't know how, it's one or the other, uh, potato, it, yeah. uh, a Baltimore native with a net worth of $4.6 billion, whose company, the Carlisle Group, has assets worth $386 billion. He, uh, Rubenstein has begun negotiating to buy the Orioles, um, which got everybody excited. It was the talk of, of Orioles Twitter when this news came out on Thursday, I believe it was. And the um, the situation here is everybody is tired of the Orioles being run by, by the Angelos family. You know, we thought Peter was bad because he let the Orioles lose for 14 straight years. And he was willing to spend money on players, but not pitching. Um, and, the, and the money that he did spend on players, he ended up spending a lot of times on the wrong players. 
Um, and hindsight's always 2020, right? But like we saw Peter Angelos go out and sign Javi Lopez and Rafael Palmero and Miguel Tejada in the offseason prior to tw- the 2004 season. We saw him give big contract extensions to Nick Marcakis, Brian Roberts, and um, Adam Jones. But we also saw him sign Albert Bell. And, you know, that, that contract lasted two years. Um, and he had to pay 13 million a year for a guy who had to retire at the end of those at the end of the first years of that five-year contract. He gave a boatload of money to Scott Erickson, who pitched one full season after signing that contract and had a five and a half ERA. He gave a ton of money to Chris Davis, which is gonna, in my opinion, go down as the worst contract in baseball history. You know, set what was it, seven years, 163 million dollars. I think it was 161, yeah. But he outbid yeah. himself. The original offer was seven one fifty-five. Yep. And they, he had no competition. Davis was just kind of waiting to see if anyone else would roll in. And then he upped the offer by another $7 million just for the heck of it. Right. And got his guy. And right. we all know how that turned out. We, yes. We, he, Chris Davis turned into possibly the worst position player in baseball uh, over the over the, the course of the end of that contract. The point where he retired um, early from that contract. And, you know, grateful to him for doing that to kind of get, get us out from under the Chris Davis, um, you know, albatross contract um however at least peter angelos spent money john angelos doesn't even do that he cares more about camden yards as a concert venue and more about being in the community uh, he, he listed winning baseball games i believe third on his list of priorities yeah and that's the owner of the orioles and i hate it so, and everybody else in baltimore hates it so now we, when we see that this Baltimore native who's got billions upon billions of dollars is in negotiations to buy the Orioles, everybody is so over the moon excited about it. Well, let's, I've got to do something about that, about my, every time I get an email, do you guys hear the do-do-do-do? Oh, I, I didn't, but. Oh, okay. Maybe it's just me that hears it. Um, but we're all super excited about the idea that the Orioles could finally be out from under the Angelus uh, family's reign of terror. Well, also in the Baltimore banner is an article that says John Angelos, when those rumors came out about Rubenstein uh, called governor Moore to let him know that the Angelos family has no intention of selling the Orioles. So as good as we've been feeling about it until we see otherwise, it looks like the Orioles are going to be owned by the Angelos family for uh the foreseeable future i i I hope it's wrong i hope he's just saying that to save face and then he just takes his money and runs when he does sell the team but you got to take the you got to take what he says at face value until he proves otherwise am i right uh uh, all right there's a lot to take in here sorry for stuttering so much uh there's this is a lot of a lot of stuff right uh First, you have the failure to sign a lease agreement for the second time after it's announced a second time we've got an agreement in place. And then for a second time, again, we find out, okay, not really. Um, so that's that's one factor. And it expires at the end of the year. They have that month to month after that. Just get some pen to paper. I don't care about the logistics, the politics of it all. I just want it done so we can stop talking about it, stop having to think about it. And I think most Orioles fans are on the same page there. I understand both sides want to get the right deal. Just get it done. I don't care how. And you can probably tell in my voice, I'm just exhausted by the thought of it. Just get the damn lease done and stop lying to us about it being done. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. number one. Number two, 
reports that this David Rubenstein is interested or in talks, I believe the quote was, to purchase the Orioles. They did say in that Bloomberg article that things could still fall apart and this may not materialize, which naturally, yes, I get that. John Angelos comes out and says, calls Governor Moore, says the Angelos family has no intent to sell the team. Of course he's going to say that while they're trying to work out a lease agreement. He gets two and a half ballpark billion dollars put in front of him. I think his tone might change a little bit. Yeah. Now, I mean, according to, that, according to Forbes, the Orioles are worth $1.7 and you know they're going to sell for more than that if they do yeah. sell them all. But please continue. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be at least two. Um, and this this Rubenstein, he, li- he likes to throw money around. He bought mm-hmm. an original copy of the Magna Carta for like $21 million. Yep. This is a guy who yep. has money, enjoys spending it. He does. He's not one of these wealth hoarders that we hear about. He seems like a guy who wants to use his money for stuff. And if that means buying a baseball team and spending money on free agents, I think he's the guy to do it. Now, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because mm-hmm. – realistically, I don't think the Orioles get sold, especially not while Peter is still alive. Because, again, I don't understand the politics of it, but I know there's some kind of $200 million tax I read about if he were to pass away after the team is sold. Obviously, the family's not going to want to pay that, so they're not going to sell the team until Peter is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. There's so much... It's it, it, It seemed like we had two bouts of really good news that were almost immediately followed by our hearts being ripped out, mm-hmm. which is, hey, we have a lease agreement. Oh, no, we don't. Hey, the Orioles are interested in selling. Oh, no, they're not. And it was just, it, it seemed like such an Orioles day. Yeah. It all, it all happened in like a 24-hour span. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the long and short of it all for me is that, it, just my personal opinion, I want the lease to get done. I don't care what it takes. And I want someone to spend money as owner of the Orioles. If that's going to be John Angelos, fine. If these these talks that Scott Boris is bringing up that the Orioles have been contacting him relentlessly about extensions for Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday, if any of that materializes, I don't care who's shelling out the money. I just want someone yep. to do it. Yep. So that's yep. what it is for me. Obviously, it would be nice to have a last name other than Angelos signing the paychecks. Yeah. But as long as someone's doing it, I don't care. I just want the Orioles to be good and in Baltimore for a long time because we haven't had that, and I want it. That's it. That's, yeah. it. that's all I got. Yeah. That that kind of went off the rails near the end. No, man. That's 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 what we're here to do, man. That's that's what we're here to do. And I, and I think that every Orioles fan would agree with you. Whoever is cutting the paychecks, we don't care. Just cut the checks. Yeah. But pay the money. Go get these players. I, we don't want to hear. To do these extensions, it would put the Orioles underwater without a new, without you know, a new lease agreement. This that, and the other, uh, we don't want to hear that. If you're not going to spend the money, sell the team to somebody who will. Yeah. Um, and stop embarrassing us, you know, with with the uh, you know using Martin Luther King Day as a reason to not talk about the Orioles, and then saying I'm going to open that you're going to open the books, and then you never open the books, and then show up in wrinkled clothes as the owner of a professional sports franchise at spring training, and then suspend Kevin Brown for reading stats that your team put together 
for him on mass. And uh, right after the Orioles sweep the Mets coming out of the all-star break, like every single time that we're starting to feel good about this team, this dude comes out and puts his foot in his mouth to stop talking in public and start spending some damn money. And then coming out on the night that the Orioles are about to win their 100th game and clinch the American league East coming out and making it about you by yeah. announcing on the jumbotron that there is a 30 year agreement in place when, in fact, we find out the next day, no, there isn't. It's a memorandum How of agreement. You? Yeah. How dare you mm -hmm. make that night about you? That was about the players. It was about the fans. It did not have to be about your pretend lease agreement. It yeah. didn't. Exactly. And I like that you said pretend lease agreement because it was, it, it was, it was false. It was fake. It was trying to take the limelight. And, you know, he's sitting there with, um, not Wes Moore, but Mayor Brandon Scott in, in his uh, in his suite celebrating and cheering things on. And it's like, you just lied to the entire state. Yeah. In the middle of what was supposed to be the biggest Orioles moment in nine, ten years. Yeah. And you just lied to the entire stadium and the entire state and the, the I, entire fan base. I, I do want to say I understand that they didn't say specifically in that announcement that they had agreed to a new lease. I, I get that. They knew exactly what they were doing. Well, they knew the conversation that had been around it. They knew that they were telling Orioles fans, we have a deal done. And the fact of the matter is they didn't. And to do it on that night, like in the moment, it added to the joy of what was that night. It was mm -hmm. clinchmas. It was 100 wins. The stadium was packed. Everyone was having an awesome time. And then we get that announcement, and it adds a little bit extra. I was standing up and applauding for John Angelos, which is something I can't believe I ever would do. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, they got the deal done. Awesome. Then we find out the next day. No, they didn't. Just the nerve, the gall to take that moment away from what it really was supposed to be. Yeah. It just stopped. Like you said, Paul, stop embarrassing us. Yeah. I, and I imagine if I had been at the stadium, and I was at the stadium the night before, thinking the Orioles were going to clinch, and they won, but there was um, another team needed to lose. I think it may have been Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay managed to pull out a victory. Um, so the Orioles didn't clinch to the day that I wasn't there. Um, I'm wondering if I would – I would have stood up to applaud as well, but I wouldn't have been applauding John Angelos. I would have been applauding the lease agreement because right. when, they, when, they, when they showed that on TV – and everybody was applauding. And, I, and Bree Brown, we know Bree Brown. She's a good friend of ours. She posts, you know, I can't believe I'm standing up applauding John Angelos right now, but here I am. And something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing, of course. And I thought to myself, I'm not applauding John, John Angelos. I'm applauding the fact that the deal got done. Like, if anything, it should have been done months ago. It shouldn't have taken this long. And maybe they had this done. They wanted to wait till tonight to announce it. Even still, shame on you. You know, yep. they should have been done months ago. And it turns out it's not even real, you know. And so, um, like like, like I said, stop embarrassing us. Either sell the team or start spending some damn money. And, and stop talking. Just stop Please, talking. For the love of stop God. Stop talking. Everything this guy says is worse than the last. I don't want to hear it anymore, man. I do not want to hear it. And, you know, I'm just ready to move on. I'm just ready to move on. Look forward to the 2024 season. It seems the fans are too. Um, uh, Randall, if, if, if I mispronounce your name, I apologize. Randall Francasi, uh, he, he um, commented on the show, Oh, should now sign Bowers for $15 to $20 million per year. No prospects given up in that. 
and trade for Seattle's for either Seattle's Gilbert, uh, Cleveland's Williams, or Mi- Miami's Jerry Perez rotation fixed. You know, um, you're talking about I believe his name is Gavin Williams. Is that his name? Uh, yeah, for yeah, Gavin Gavin Williams is not getting moved by Cleveland. Jerry yeah. Perez is not being moved by Miami. Gilbert yeah. maybe. I'm not sure the the Mariners would have any interest there. But um, I really don't think the Orioles should be shelling out 15 million a year for Jake Bowers. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think that that uh, that move makes a ton of sense either. I, I I don't think he meant Bowers there. I don't think the S was supposed to be on the end of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I think that uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Yeah. And, and and Bauer was vindicated for the one big case. But there were four other women that came forward, you know, and you're innocent until proven guilty. But like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. The guy's a pompous, arrogant ass. He knows a lot about pitching and he's a really good pitcher. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that for the clubhouse, for the camaraderie that you have there, um, I think that he uh, the, the, I think he would be a cancer in that clubhouse. Yeah. I, I just do. And I, I don't think signing Bauer is a great idea. Yeah. Um, now, I. And, I, I I want to say regarding the the players on those other teams that the Orioles could trade for, um, I agree. All three of those teams, I think, would be reasonable trade targets. Now, mm-hmm. I think if you're looking at Miami, they're not going to move Yuri Perez, but maybe the Orioles could work out a deal for a Jesus Lazardo. Sure. The Cleveland Guardians, they're not going to move Gavin Williams. He looks like a, a young ace, but maybe the Orioles work out a deal for Shane Bieber. Yeah. I understand it's the younger, sexy names that are appealing in trade talks. But this isn't MLB The Show. We're not going to be able to make those trades for 20, 21, 22-year-old pitchers who are already established in the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's just not going to happen. But, I, yeah, I agree that those are teams that the Orioles could trade with, not necessarily those specific players. Yeah, it's those are the types of players, a Yuri Perez, a Gavin Williams, those are the type of players that the teams are looking to trade for, um, not trade away. It would be like the Orioles trading away – you know, Kyle Bradish or Grayson Rodriguez um, to get, um, I don't know, Corbin Burns. You know, why are you going to give up a guy who's got less control? Um, why are you going to give up? Why are you going to give up a guy who has all the team control, who's young, who's got everything you're looking for in a pitcher to get a guy who has uh, less team control? To me, it just it just wouldn't make sense. Uh, what would the Orioles have to get up, give up to get those younger guys uh, who have all that team control? it's nice, but you know, these teams have visions of compete. I mean, the Cleveland is a year removed from winning that division and they've got a really young and talented lineup and a really young and talented rotation. Miami um, just missed the playoffs this past year. They've got a really good young rotation. The lineup needs work, but they're not going to trade those guys who would be the foundation of their teams. Uh, right. They're just, they're just not going to do it. So uh, like you said, Bieber from the, from the guardians, um, Lizardo from the from Miami. That would be, the trade partners, right? The trade pieces are probably inaccurate and unlikely to happen. Yeah, so, I think Gilbert could make sense, but I think it's it's still unlikely. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, we just want to remind you: if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call one eight hundred Gambler or visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. That's HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services or call 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a gambling 
problem. Uh, moving on to some other baseball news, and it's the biggest news. Oh, my God. Anything that the Yankees do is like the world's greatest news, according to MLB Network and anybody that covers baseball from a national perspective. They traded um, they traded with the Red Sox to pick up Alex Verdugo, and it was like the story. And ESPN's unlocking the article. It's free for everyone to read. It's like, who do you guys think Alex Verdugo is? And it just goes to show how boring the winter meetings were that they, that a trade for Alex Verdugo, who was like a 1.8 win player last year, uh, who's been a just better than a league average hitter his entire career, that that's the move that like, oh, let's unlock this article and make it free for everyone to read. Get the hell out of here. No, like it, it was between the Red Sox and Yankees, which is like an unheard of trade. It's only happened seven times in like the last hundred years. Um, so I understand it from that perspective. But let's not act like this is a move that was more than it was. It was, you know, a, a you know, a solid outfield piece, but not like a, a team changer by any stretch. Now, the move that the Yankees made following for Juan Soto, that's a franchise changing move for both teams. The Yankees uh, received Juan Soto and outfielder Trent Christian for the Padres. In, as part of a seven-player deal in exchange, San Diego, the Padres, they, they received right-handers Michael King, Johnny Brito, and Randy Vasquez, starting pitching prospect Drew Thorpe, and catcher Kyle Higashioka. Are the Yankees back, Brian? No. No. They don't scare me anymore, man. How can they? They you know, don't. It, They've got Soto and Judge and then a bunch of fine hitters. I just, I, it's a good move for them. Don't get me wrong. Juan Soto is anybody, yeah. one of the best players in baseball. And I'm heartbroken that he's going to be on the Yankees and I'm going to have to root for him because he's on my fantasy team. But I mean, it's, they've got two guys now. DJ LeMay, who is not who he used to be. Anthony Rizzo is not who he used to be. Giancarlo Stanton is a shell of what he used to be. I mean, Glaber Torres is fine, I guess, but he's not, you know, he hits homers, but he doesn't do much else. Um, I'm not afraid of that lineup. I, I'm just not, I don't know. I don't know what else you want me to say. I, I think this makes them better, obviously, but mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think they are. I think they'll compete for a wild card spot. I don't think they're competing for the division. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with you on that. I, I, I don't believe that this makes them suddenly the favorites in the division. Um, the Yankees now have, Two players that I would take over over players on the Orioles roster, Juan Soto and Aaron Judge. And you can say, well, what about Garrett Cole? No, trust me. I would take Garrett Cole in a heartbeat. Am I taking him over Kyle Bradish or Grayson Rodriguez at this point? No. We're talking about uh, two guys who are on the cusp. In my opinion, Kyle Bradish is already there, and Grayson Rodriguez is going to join him there at the top of the heap this year. Yeah. You have two guys who I think are going to be, you know, Cy Young candidates this year. I don't know that they're going to win, but they're going to, they're going to get votes. They're going to finish, you know, in the top five, probably in my opinion, I think the Orioles have those two guys already on the roster. And if I, am I giving them up for Garrett Cole? Absolutely not. Not when, not when the Orioles are paying, don't have to pay them more than league minimum for another year or two. And on top of that, they don't have to do it. They, they, they're with the Orioles for the next five or six years. Garrett Cole in his thirties, um, who's in the middle of a huge contract where he's making $36 million a year. No, I'm not, I'm not giving up Bradish or Grayson Rodriguez 
uh, in exchange for. And if you're just tuning in, this sounds like a trade that's not <laughs> it's not even been proposed. I'm talking about do the like who would I covet on the Yankees over the Orioles players? It's really only Aaron Judge and Juan Soto. And you look at that Yankees rotation; it's crap. It's Garrett Cole, and then the ghost of uh, of Carlos Rodon, and um, what Nestor Cortez. You know, yeah, and, and even Cortez was not good last year. Michael King was their best starter down the stretch. They just traded him in the deal. So I don't know. It, they they just don't scare me. They don't. Yeah, it, I, I like cool man. You have you have two. They 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 do. They legitimately have two of the best hitters in the game. Right in the heart of their order, Bat- yeah. probably batting two and three for that team. But you know, you got other guys that that are there's seven other guys in your order, and you've got to do something about your pitching staff. And you, you know, the, they are underwater. With I mean, they're the Yankees, so they're never underwater financially. Right. But you know, they they were supposed to have a higher draft pick than the Orioles this year, and because of that luxury tax threshold, I think they were they exceeded like the third um, level of that. They had to. Their, their pick got sent 10 picks back, just like the Padres. And so the Orioles, who were supposed to pick 24th, now picking 22nd in the draft because of that. And so, you know, you're, you're giving all this money to LeMahieu, all this money to Cole, all this money to Judge, to Giancarlo Stanton. And now, you know, you've got Soto. Are you going to be able to give him the $500 million contract that he's going to command after this coming season? I like, don't think they will. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think this is a rental. I really do. I think yeah. he's going to hit the open market and he's going to sign elsewhere. And that's where he'll spend the rest of his career. I, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a long, I don't think Soto is a long-term Yankee. Now, that's... if, if he plays well enough there and gets enough of those short porch home runs, maybe he'll think about signing a long-term extension, but I really think we're going to see him hit the open market at the end of the season, at which point, you know, every team is going to be clamoring for him. And I, I don't think it's likely that he's a Yankee beyond the season. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I know that they have the money to throw around, but that that oh, luxury sure. tax threshold are they really going to want to keep missing out on higher draft picks? And are they really going to keep wanting to spend as much money on the on the luxury tax as they are on the roster? Like to me, it right. just doesn't it just doesn't make a ton of sense. But you know, there's been crazier things that have happened. I want to get to a couple other comments here. Uh, Adit Mahmoud, um, again, if I'm mispronouncing your name, I apologize. He says, I think they are setting up the dominoes to sell the team with Rubenstein and the lease. And it's about 300 to 400 million in taxes. That they wait until Peter until after Peter passes that they save, which, you know, Peter uh, had his aortic valve collapse on him um, or, or, or it was clogged back in 2017. And he collapsed. He is now from what we hear. Uh, he's now suffering from dementia. Uh, and we're talking about a guy who's in his, I believe, late 90s now uh, in Peter Angelos or mi- at least mid 90s. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that we all can agree that, you know, they're probably waiting until he passes because they are going to save hundreds of millions of dollars and that might be when they sell. And for all we know, maybe, uh, Peter is in hospice care and these talks came out because they're preparing the estate, you know, yes. um, it, you don't want to timing of it all is pretty interesting. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. the, the timing is interesting. And Peter did come out and say, you know, years back that when he does pass away, he wants Georgia to sell the team so that she can. I think the quote was like, enjoy the great wealth we have accumulated together or something like yeah. that. So it is Peter's dying wish that the team gets sold once he's gone. Will will John agree to that? that I think John clearly sense. doesn't care about anybody's wishes but his own. Yeah. Um, I think he's made that very clear. So um, not that, and look, as much as people don't like Peter Angelos, I don't hate Peter Angelos. Like I, I, I don't hate him. You know, I, he did, like I said, he did spend money on the team. It, he just did it in the wrong places. 
and he let that team lose for far too long. But, uh, you know, the Orioles had the, had a top three, really a top three payroll in baseball for five seasons in the mid to late 90s. Uh, so let's not act like he was like this terrible, terrible owner. He brought playoff baseball back to the Orioles in the mid 90s. He he spent more money than he, any owner in baseball on his team. And then it didn't work out and he got gun shy, you know, so uh, I, I get that. I don't hate Peter Angelos. The stuff that he did with Mike Messina and with Davey Johnson and running Pat Gillick out of town. Yes, that part I hate. But overall, I don't feel the same way about him as a lot of people do. The way a lot of people feel about Peter Angelos is how I feel about John Angelos. I just think that it's um, it's a it, it's a travesty what he what, what he's doing. And it wasn't that long ago that I thought that he was the right brother to run the Orioles. And now I'm looking at him like, man, it's. Can, can we give can we give Lou a try? Like can can yeah. we uh, can we right. see what he can do? Right? Yeah. So. It, John signs uh, or hires Mike Elias, and and I guess they agreed that Mike would have full autonomy over the baseball operations. And I was like, all right, I can get behind this John guy. Now five years later, I'm like, dude, go anywhere else, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adi, you have another another comment. We are running out of time to get to get to this comment, so I'm going to try and remember it uh, for next show. Uh, asking, could Patrick Sandoval be an under the ra- under the radar trade target? Um, well, we will we'll we'll talk about that on next show. A little teaser for you there. I want to remind you today's show uh, is brought to you by Glenn Clark Radio. If you've missed anything from Glenn Clark Radio this week, check out interviews uh, with Jaden Daniels, Adam Frazier, Daryl Moose Johnston, Rick Neuheisel, and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Um, fun show. Sorry for the technical difficulties, but I think we've well, we've got them figured out. This is still um, a work in progress. You know, we enjoy talking baseball, Orioles baseball with you all. And we're just trying to um, get the kinks worked out. You know, this is just with this new um, setup that we have. It's going to be a lot of fun. We just got to get it all figured out. So thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you to all of our listeners. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Ryan, thank you for, as always, for helping out with the show each and every week. Until next week, everybody. See ya.